Philippians chapter 4. Glad to see everyone made it through this icy week. Philippians chapter 4. We just finished a few moments ago singing that hymn, Day by Day and with Each Passing Moment. Strength I find to meet my trials here, trusting in my Father's wise bestowment. I have no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure gives unto each day what he deems best. Lovingly, it's part of pain and pleasure, mingling toil with peace and rest. Every day the Lord himself is near me with a special mercy for each hour. All my cares he fain would bear and cheer me. He whose name is Counselor and Power. The protection of his people or of his child and treasure is a charge that on himself, on himself he laid. As thy days thy strength shall be in measure. This the pledge to me. He made. (laughs) Amen. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be careful. Be not anxious. Don't worry. Don't fret. Don't be fearful. Be careful for nothing. Nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for allowing us to not only sing those hymns and psalms, which speak of your great love and tender care towards your own. But Lord, we thank you that you made such a thing possible. Lord, you not only washed us from all our sin, but Lord, you brought us into sweet fellowship and communion with the Almighty God. Truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. That you could love us who are most unworthy of any love, Father, overwhelms our hearts and our minds. Lord, that you care for us every day more than any human being in this world could ever care for us is something that greatly comforts our souls in those hours when we feel so alone and isolated because of our afflictions and our cares and our troubles. To know that you are near, nearer than anyone else, and that you truly care and take an interest in our sorrows and our woes. Oh, God, that fills our heart with such great comfort and joy. Lord, comfort your children this morning. Lord, I pray that you draw them close to thy bosom. And Lord, that they would once anew have a sense and assurance of your loving care. For it's in Christ's name we ask these things. Amen. You know, like the hymn we sang, Be Still, My Soul, 
And even this one here, this verse, be careful for nothing. God commands us, exhorts us, encourages us to trust in him when all things around us seem to be in great disarray and troubling. To be still when everything around seems to be falling. To care or worry about nothing when we have so many things to worry about. Beloved, our divine commandments of God that only the true child of God can personally experience. I feel so sorry for those who know not Christ. For you know not such comfort. And without Christ you shall never know of such comfort. That one should love you so much and care so much for you that in your deepest, darkest hour, in your deepest worry and anxieties and fears, He's there to comfort you and to strengthen you and to love you. I feel so sorry for those who know not Christ. And yet I feel so sorry for so many Christians who so often forget what we have in Christ. This fourth chapter of Philippians is rich with spiritual comforts. Not only about the peace of God that passes all understanding, but further on in this passage of Scripture, he speaks of the mystery of contentment. I've learned whatever state there am I to be content. I can do all things through Christ. My God shall supply all your need. According, the Bible says in the same pastor, to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. There are riches in this fourth chapter of Philippians that make a child of God very rich towards God. And this morning I just merely want to look at one of them. And it's in verses 6 and 7. If my memory serves me correct, and that's something I question as I get older, it has been eight years since I last visited this passage of Scripture in the pulpit. And 30 years since I first preached on this text. 30 years. Yet, beloved, I assure you this morning, its divine truths have been a continual lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path over these past 30 and 40 years. Always, with each new arising sense of anxiety, bringing great comfort and encouragement of which, beloved, there have been many over the past 40 years as a Christian. This verse never wears out, and I never grow weary of it. Like the Word of God is, every time I'm in need of it, it opens up a new chapter. It opens up a new truth, a new comfort. That's the blessing of God's Word. This is my comfort in my affliction, declared the psalmist. In my affliction. For thy word hath quickened me. I was ready to burst with joy when Brother Dave began singing that Psalm 119. And throughout that psalm, he speaks of God's word quickening him and quickening him. And I'm thinking, Lord, what better witness could there be to the word or preaching of the word of God than when the brother chooses a psalm that fits perfectly. But thy word hath quickened me. That's my comfort, he says, in my affliction. Not deliverance of itself. 
But the simple fact that he received comfort in his affliction by the Word of God quickening him, making him alive. Beloved, we prove ourselves to be very poor Christians when after we've read and memorized so many promises of God, yet we fail to know the quickening power of God's Word in our hour of need. We make ourselves to be very poor Christians when we have such an abundance of treasure within our grasp. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. All things work together for good to them that love God. Cast all your cares upon Him, for He careth for you. I will never believe you, nor forsake you. And it goes on and on and on. All these promises of God are at our fingertips, and yet so often we are poor Christians because we don't know anything of its quickening power in our hour of need. The Word of God, dearly beloved, must not only occupy our understanding, but also our affections as well. God works through the understanding, but the goal is the heart. Do you know that? The goal is the heart. The heart. This is the difference between a hypocrite and a true believer. A hypocrite can verse, can quote scriptures as well as Satan did against Christ, yet it never reaches the heart. The truths of God must occupy our hearts as well as our understanding. I will run the way of thy commandments, said the psalmist in Psalm 119.32. When thou shalt enlarge my heart. The psalmist desired to run, not walk. He desired to run in the way of God's commandments. But he knew he could not run until God had enlarged his heart in those same commandments. And not only that, he wanted his heart to be enlarged so that he might run with fervency and vehemency and not indifference. Many may choose to run in the way of God's commandments, yet whose heart is not in it. And beloved, let me tell you something, how quickly we weary in the run if our heart is not in it. How quickly we weary in the run if our heart is not in it. Our heart must be in it. This was the sin of Christ's days when He said, This people draw up nigh unto Me with their mouth and honoreth Me with their lips, but their heart is far from Me. May we know something of the quickening power of God's Word. Dearly beloved, Dear brothers and sisters, never be content with merely knowing a verse exists. Pray that the Holy Spirit would help us to know something of the quickening power of the Word of God. Pray until it quickens you. Like the old saint of God told the brother who had a hard time praying, I have a hard time praying. He said, then pray until your heart is warm. And I say pray until God's Word quickens you. With that said this morning, let us then examine more closely this very familiar passage of Scripture in hopes that God would enlarge our hearts anew in its truths that we might run, run in His commandments. Listen to the words of Paul again. 
Be careful for nothing. That's a big, huge exhortation. Like many other passages of Scripture, these words of the Apostle Paul are very familiar to many believers. There's other passages of Scripture that are very familiar. We can go to John 14, let not your heart be troubled. We can go to Romans 8, verse 28, all things work together for good. We can go to also this verse here in chapter 4, which talks about contentment. There's a lot of verses that are very familiar to the child of God, and yet I fear sometimes familiarity with Scripture can often blind us to examine His divine truths more closely. When you're familiar with something, sometimes you just skim over it. You think, oh, I know that verse is there, and I beg of you, I, I differ, I beg of you to go back to those verses in your time of need and pray until it quickens you anew. We're speaking of the Word of God, of course, right? Because do not forget, it is the Word of God which is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing sunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Never forget, regardless of how familiar you are with the passage of Scripture, in your hour of need, when you turn to it, pray until it quickens you anew. There's always something new you've never seen in that passage of Scripture, I guarantee you. An enlightenment God didn't give you before that you had no need of, but you have of now. That's the wonder of God's Word. And yet before we look into Paul's divine remedy for such worrying or anxiety, let us first this morning very briefly look more closely at his short exhortation in the beginning, which I hope and pray would encourage us to look forward to the rest of the passage of the Scripture this morning. Verse 6, listen to these words of Paul. Be careful for nothing. And we'll look at that in three different headings. Lord willing, this morning. First of all, I want us to understand that this divine exhortation is of no small matter. Listen to me. I want you to listen to me. Sometimes we go too quickly over the Word of God. When he says, be careful for nothing, yet that is no small manner. but one which has continued, listen to me, to torment sinful man since the fall of Adam, and as even the greatest saints, namely care, worry, anxiety, fear. That's no small matter. Listen to me. All of us have lived long enough in this life. I don't, you might even, even the smallest child knows what anxiety and fear and worry is. It's no small matter of which he exhorts us against. Be careful, be fearful, be not anxious for nothing. For nothing. It's no small matter. It's a huge matter. You know how much time we spend in life worrying? Secondly, this is one of the warmest and most compassionate exhortations found in Scripture. You say, well, don't Sally, it is. Be careful for nothing. It echoes Christ's own exhortation when He said in John chapter 14 that our hearts be not troubled, neither let it be afraid. It's one of the warmest, most compassionate exhortations in Scripture. Be careful for nothing. Those are the words of Paul in the 
power of the Holy Spirit speaking to us through Christ. Christ says, be careful for nothing. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. These are warm and compassionate words of exhortation. What a glory that is for the Christian that he would speak such words to us. Don't be afraid. When a little child's walking to the store and he's afraid of all the people around him, he'll grab his mother or father's hand because he feels safe and secure. And to hear the mother or father's voice say, Don't worry, I can take care of you. That child's heart is filled with encouragement and comfort. And when God sovereignly tells us, Be careful for nothing, it's a warm and compassionate exhortation from a sovereign God who says, I have everything under control. And thirdly, and that will be very briefly the great scale or extent of this divine exhortation. He says, be careful, be not anxious, don't worry. Listen to this, for nothing. That is a great extent. Nothing. Not just be careful for some things. The exhortation is to be careful for nothing. You know how many things in this life cause us to worry? I mean, huge things. This is, this is no small matter here. He says we're nothing. So first of all, I want us to recognize this morning that this divine exhortation is of no small matter, but one which since the fall has affected every man, woman, and child born in this world, namely worry, anxiety, and fear. Be careful for nothing. You know the first thing Adam felt when he fell into sin? Some people say, well, he felt ashamed. Well, what's the scripture say? God said, where art thou, Adam? Adam said, I hid myself because I was naked and I was afraid. Afraid. The first thing that evidenced the fall of man was he was afraid. Compassion and emotion that he had never felt before. Suddenly, since separated from God, he's afraid. And it has tormented man down every generation and continues to do so to this very day. Fear and worry and anxiety torments sinful man. And beloved, today more than ever, there's a spirit of anxiety and worry which fills this present world like never before. Do you know that? Look at the headlines. Read the papers. Look at the news. Look at your, look what's going on in the world. The spirit of fear and anxiety has never been at this level before in the history of mankind. Man is afraid. And though sinful man vainly seeks to suppress and ignore it, I'm telling you, he cannot suppress it for long. Somewhere down the line in his life, that anxiety and worry and fear will raise its ugly head up and torment him. It is something that comes with the curse of sin. Like I said earlier, think about your own life. How many times, how much time have we spent in life worrying about things? 
Seriously, even as Christians, how many, how many times have we spent worrying about things? Oh, we'll, we'll say, oh yeah, I pray. And I, I can't wait till I get to that because this is, his, his remedy for this really doesn't comfort a lot of Christians because he doesn't say, God's going to take away immediately. We want immediate relief. He says, no, you pray. Sometimes it takes a while. You pray. And with supplication and thanksgiving before God, let your quest be made known. And the peace of God shall keep your hearts. But it's prayer. You know how impatient we are with prayer when we have a need, especially in times of worry? We are impatient. I don't want to get that far yet. That's next week. But we all were impatient. We pray for it and we want God to do it now. God says, no. It's not the easiest remedy. But worry is something that torments every man, woman, child in this world. Even the saints of God are not spared its tormenting temptations. David said in Psalm 56, 3, he said, what time I'm afraid. David confesses, there's times I'm afraid. He doesn't say, oh, I always trust in God and I never, I'm never afraid. David said, what time I'm afraid, I'll trust in thee. He had someone to turn to, like every Christian does, and that's a blessing. But David confessed there are times he was afraid. Look over in Psalm 42. We're all familiar with this passage of Scripture. Psalm 42. Verse 5. Psalm 42, verse 5, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted? That's uneasy, troubled, weary, uh, worried. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. The psalmist again confesses there's times when he's cast down. He's uneasy in his soul, in his spirit. It's, we're not spared from that as Christians. Look at verse 11. Again, he says, Why art thou cast down on my soul? Why art thou disquieted? Twice in one psalm. Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. He found the remedy, but the psalmist in both of these passages of Scripture, they do not deny that they suffered under sometimes occasionally fear and anxiety. So we're not spared from that as believers. As a matter of fact, our Lord Himself exhorts us concerning such worries and anxieties in Matthew chapter 6. Look over there with me in Matthew chapter 6. Another familiar passage of Scripture, but look at how the Lord exhorts us against such anxiety. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Read with me. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought, that's care, anxiety, for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought, again, that thought, worrying, can add one cubit unto your statue? Let me stop there for a minute. You know how many times do we worry about things that we have no control over? Think about it. Sometimes when we get into a phase where we're worrying about, stop and think for a minute. If you have no control over it, what does worrying do? Absolutely nothing. And that's what the Lord's saying. You can't do anything. 
And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, worry, anxiety, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or withal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It's almost like Paul, isn't it? So it's like Paul on the Philippians. Okay? Take therefore no thought. How many times does he say that in that passage of Scripture? tells me the Lord it, it takes a great interest in us not worrying. That he's got to say it three times. <laughs> Take therefore no thought for the morrow. He boils it down to this. Don't think about tomorrow. For tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient of the day is the evil thereof. He says, live for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. But preacher, I'm worried about tomorrow. My future, my kid's future, what's going to happen down the road? The Lord says, don't worry about tomorrow. You don't even know. If, tomorrow's not even promised you and I. Do you know that? When we worry about tomorrow, we might not be here tomorrow. You worried for nothing. And what we do, basically do is we take the worries and cares from tomorrow and place it on the day, and we double our fears. I'm telling you, this is no small matter of which Paul exhorts us this morning. It's a very huge matter, one that affects even the greatest of saints. Be careful for nothing. This is a subject which concerns us all, yet for the unbeliever, they have no remedy. We do, and we'll find out what it is. They may enjoy some temporary relief, Yet worry and anxiety, listen to me, always looms above them waiting to rain down its torments upon them at the first point. They have no remedy. Listen to me this morning, both you that are lost and saved. You that are saved, we underestimate what we have in Christ too often. We have all these promises at our fingertips. We have all these promises. This is why the psalmist says that he quickened me in my afflictions. This is my comfort, that thy word quickened me in my afflictions. We have all these promises. We have all these promises from a sovereign God who promises us comfort and peace and joy and contentment in all aspects of life. And yet, we know nothing or little of their quickening power. God help us that we would take more time. Because like I said, we, we believe simply because we know of verses in Scripture, it's sufficient. It's not. Have you, have you not seen that yourself? Have you not proven that fact yourself? You know Romans 8.28 is there, but there's sometimes you look at that and you're like scratching your head going, yeah, I know it's there, but it's sure meaning much to me now. Why isn't it? Go back over. Pray over it. Pray the Holy Spirit would quicken it's truths in your hearts and your minds. Yet as we shall see, the lost has no remedy, but the believer does. The true believer not only has a divine remedy, which is prayer and supplications with thanksgiving, but also divine refuge and a guard against all its torments. 
and forward for next week. The peace of God shall keep your hearts and your minds. Keep being a military term. It's militant. The peace of God militants your mind. And you heard it amazing how he says that? What bothers us at night we can't sleep? Our mind keeps rowing, keeps going. We can't shut it down. You ever try to shut it down? You can't do it. You can't quiet the conscience, can you? You ain't got power to do that. But this peace of God, which is not our peace, it's the peace of God. I'm really looking forward to getting into that. It's not our peace, it's God's peace. It militant our minds and our hearts. And it's through Christ Jesus. You see what we have in Christ? Look at all these things God gives us. This is what we as believers have in Christ. And this morning as we partake of the Lord's Supper, I hope we be reminded of all we have in Christ and what he's all done for us. It's not just his body was broken, his blood was shed. That's tremendous of itself. But oh, he has brought us such a wonderful salvation and brought us into an intimate fellowship with God in such a manner. I'm telling you, he is truly our beloved. My beloved is mine and he, he is mine and he is mine and I am his. It's not a small matter. Secondly, real quickly, this is one of the warmest and most compassionate exhortations ever given. Like I said, be careful for nothing. These words echo Christ's exhortation and his sentiments towards all true believers in John chapter 14 when our Lord, our sovereign God, says to us, let not your hearts be troubled. In spite of the fact that we all believe in the sovereignty of God, and we do, we believe we, believe we can't do anything without God, I want you to understand that first word he says, let not, let not. Christ is basically telling us that sometimes it's up to us, and it is. I know God has to do the work, but we're not puppets on a string, and God just like marionette puppets, he moves us the way we want. Christ said, let not, don't let it happen. How can I not let it happen? Oh, shall we go back? to the quickening power of God's word and prayer with supplications. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Again, that's not Paul or John or Mark who's speaking that. That's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he's speaking those words out of sovereign love and compassion for us. You know, one thing that continues to amaze me over 40 years being a Christian is that our Lord is not only deeply interested in our spiritual well-being and happiness, which amazes me, but he's also, listen to me, he's also greatly concerned in keeping our hearts and our minds from worry and anxiety. Do you know that? He takes a personal interest in my cares. Are you following me this morning? He takes a personal interest when I'm afraid and when I'm worried. We just don't let, and I hate using that word because so many people have misused it, we just don't allow that. Again, I'm not demising the sovereignty of God. Let not your hearts be troubled. He takes a personal interest. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Don't you like that twofold comfort there? I'll never leave you. I'm not going to leave you. 
I'm not going to desert you. And I'll never forsake you. You know what human beings do to us? They leave us and forsake us. Oh, no, no, my partners, my partner, my, my spouse is loyal. They might be. Um, but Lord willing, if he delays his coming one day, they will leave you. Because God will take them. You follow me? Nobody in this world loves you more than Christ. Nobody in this world cares for you and I more than Christ. And therefore, our love to him must be supreme. What is the great commandment? Love the Lord thy God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul. Do you not think that God will also love us as well? In all their affliction, Isaiah says, in all their affliction, he was afflicted. That's a real mystery there, isn't it? How can God be afflicted? Oh, we could go back to the incarnation again, taking the Lord's Supper this morning. Remember that, not just the broken body and the blood. Why did he come down here? So that he might be like his brethren. It behooved him to be like his brethren. Why? So he can understand what affliction means, what sorrow means. You know who was sorrowful and lonely in this world? It was Christ. Man of sorrows. What a name. He knows. My Lord is God, but He knows what it is to be alone and afraid, yet without sin. And it goes even farther with the prophet Zechariah when he says, He that touches you, touches the apple of his eye. You know what the apple of the eye is? most sensitive part of the body. It's the very center of your eyeball, the most sensitive part of your... And God is simply saying, He who touches you touches my most sensitive feelings and emotions. That's how much God loves you. That's how much God loves us. Like then, can't we, when we're afraid and worry, cast all our cares upon Him, knowing He cares for us? Why do we carry worry and anxiety around when He promises us peace and comfort if we would just pray with all prayer and supplication, making our request be known unto God? Yes, your soul will be downcast and troubled and disquieted, but like the psalmist, I will hope in God. He raised up from that pond of despair. He raised up out of that and said, yes, my soul might be feeling that, but I shall yet see God. Even Job said that. Though my body is consumed by worms, yet shall I see God. That Christ takes a personal interest concerning all our worries and anxieties. Beloved, brings the greatest comfort. And listen to me, sometimes that is even better than being delivered from it. Are you following me? Just knowing that God cares enough for me. I don't need to be delivered as long as I know you care. Calvin suffered a lot of physical ailments in his life. If you've ever read his testimony, his biography or autobiography, but 
he suffered a lot in life. And one thing that enabled him to go through life, I mean, he was in pain every day, every single day. You know where he found comfort? He found comfort in knowing that this was the hand of God. If I did not believe this came from the hand of God, I could not bear it. But since it's from my loving Father, I can bear all things for Christ. Beloved, I fear this, this realm of Christianity, too few Christians in this modern age we know too little of. Been lost and carried away in the amazing love and mercy of Christ. David Brainerd said it best, Christ has come down and stolen my heart and ran away to heaven with it. In all your worries and cares, never forget, cast all your care, your worries, First Peter 5, 7, upon him, for he careth for you. Why do we cast our cares? Because he cares for, God cares for me. God cares for me who was once a vile sinner, who was at enmity with God. I did not want God. I did not desire God. I did not love God. But now through Christ, God cares for me. For me. What an amazing source of comfort and encouragement. One of the warmest, most compassionate exhortations in Scripture. And lastly, and briefly, the extent of this divine exhortation. And listen to me very carefully. Be careful for nothing. I'm telling you, that's pretty broad, isn't it? Not simply some things or certain things, but all things be careful for nothing. Listen to me, beloved. This divine exhortation extends to any and all worries or anxieties which we might face in life, whether it has to do with your job, your future, your kids, your husband, whatever it has to do with your health, from the anxieties of our youth to the anxieties of old age, to the daily cares of life, to the worries of health, family, jobs, and future. Beloved, our anxieties and cares are as diverse and distinct as the circumstances of life. Do you know that? I have worries now at 64. I didn't have when I was 21. Are you listening to me? At 21, I was firing through this life like crazy, like never see the end of it. But let me tell you something. I'm getting close to the end goal. And I'm telling you, there's some things that are beginning to worry me sometimes. My worries are different. When you were alone in life, your worries were different. You got married, your worries changed. When you had children, now you're worried about your children. Shall I be able to keep them safe? Shall they know, uh, grow up knowing Christ? What can I do to keep them protected from this world? Your worries change, and as you grow older, your worries change. This verse is never ending. It fits all aspects of life. That's amazing. That's why this verse is, like all words of God, is never-ending. And it fits everything, all circumstances. So go back to it again this next week and read over it and pray over it and ask God that it might quicken you. Be careful for nothing. Would it be nice to live knowing that you can overcome 
the torments of worrying and anxiety. He would have been nice when it comes to you. You could be like the psalmist. Why are thou disquieted in me? Why are thou troubled? I shall yet seek God. Wouldn't it be nice to say with David, Lord, when I'm afraid? And God, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. When I'm afraid, I'll trust in thee. That's why I say Paul gives us a remedy as well. We won't get into it today, but be careful for nothing, but in everything, in everything, in everything. Shikes, again, it's overwhelming. The extent of it, in everything, in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your quest be made known unto God. Isn't that great? And the peace of God. Listen to me. And the peace of God. Not our peace. Too often we try to create peace. We fabricate it. It doesn't help. Believe me, I've tried it. Oh, I know that verse is in there. I'm going to have peace. <sighs> you can't fabricate it. It only comes by prayer. Beloved, it only comes by prayer. You see, like our brother prayed for this morning, asking the Lord to teach us to intercede for one another. If we only but knew the power of prayer, especially in interceding for others. Oh, oh my. You say, how powerful is it? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse. Who? Our high priest. The one mediator between God and man. How powerful is intercessory prayer? <laughs> and the peace of God, which passes all understanding. You're not going to comprehend it. You can't comprehend it. You can't. And I know each and every one of you, I want to believe this all my heart. I know I have, but I know each and every one. There's been times in your life you had such peace of God in your heart, and outwardly you're thinking, I should be right now overwhelmed. I should be pulling my hair out. I should be hitting my head against the wall, and yet... There's peace. Peace in the midst of my storm. Ha! Oh, that's something the hypocrite knows nothing of, but oh, the child of God longs for that. Peace, peace, wonderful peace. It passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let me close with this an introduction for next week. You know, he doesn't speak about deliverance. He doesn't speak from deliverance from whatever you're worrying about. He said, but I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep your heart and mind in the midst of that. That's amazing. You see, we're always wanting to be delivered from things. I'm telling you where you see the glory of God is when you wade out into the deep things. Psalm 107, those that wade out in the deep see the great things of God. Get out of the ankle deep water. Enter into the deeps of God, the depths of God, where you lose yourself, Spurgeon said, and come back up uh, amazed at the greatness and goodness of God. He's not talking about deliverance. He says, I'm not going to deliver you from whatever that is that's worrying you in our text. He said, but I'm going to give you a peace of heart and mind that's going to be overwhelming. And beloved, that's the amazing part of Christianity and God. Being able to stand in the midst of that worry going, you know what? doesn't matter. Let me tell you about my God. I believe 
those moments are just a foretaste of like we sang in the hymn and the Psalms, a foretaste of when all sorrow shall be erased. One day, we'll have no more worries or anxiety. One day, if the Lord takes us home, on that day, He takes us home. All anxiety and worries shall be wiped away. Oh, what a day that will be. Until that day, dearly beloved, I pray that you would pray that the Holy Spirit would help us all to be quickened by the power of God's Word. Oh, be careful for nothing but by prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What a wonderful blessing this is. Maybe, hopefully, Lord willing, I don't know, I'll pray about it. We can move on after this down to contentment. Because there ain't nothing more we need in this world than, than peace of, from worry and contentment. I'm content in whatever state I am. Whether I'm abased or abounding, it doesn't matter. And you know that both this peace of God and this contentment, in both those passages of Scripture, Paul states, through Christ Jesus. You don't have Christ, you can't have it. You got Christ. You have everything in heaven at your disposal. What an amazing God that cares for me that much. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you now, Lord, for your word, and we pray that, Lord... You would quicken us in this divine truth and help us, Lord God, we pray that we would grow ever more in it. Lord, there are there are many of us here this morning in this room, each of us having worries and cares that none other knows about. Lord, we are professional at keeping them hid from others. We can't hide them from you. Lord, I pray that you would deliver us from the torments of worry and anxiety. Help us to know that peace of God that passes all understanding, that alone can keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that that individual this morning, or individuals, even at this very moment, that is longing for that peace, I pray that you grant it. Lord, give them that taste of peace of God. It passes all understanding. Lord, be with us now as we partake of the Lord's Supper. Help us, Lord, to contemplate on Him who made all these things possible by suffering on Calvary, breaking his body, spilling his blood, that we might have such a fellowship with God. Lord, we love you and thank you for all things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.